Welcome to another episode of The Running Elephant. I'm Nigel Sullivan, Boopa's Chief Sustainability and People Officer. Today I've got two great guests with me, Penny Dudley, our Chief Legal Officer, and Julie Stevens, Global Director of Wellbeing, Inclusion, Health and Safety, who's also a member of my team. Welcome, Penny and Julie. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Julie. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Penny. Great to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And look, today's a really uh, important uh, session, as they all are, but a topic very close to to my heart. And two people are absolutely passionate and expert in the area, and that's around inclusion and diversity. Um, So, look, let's let's kick off with a few questions. Uh, Julie, maybe we just start with you. Is there a kind of frame or a way that we've we've brought that to life? You know, in terms of our approach to belonging, inclusion, diversity, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, Nigel, it it is absolutely part of our overall strategy where we have that vision, which is what we mean by agile culture, which is brilliant that we're calling out that diversity. But the the way that we try to um, uh, frame how we want this to work across Booper globally is we we actually have an inclusion and diversity framework. We have three pillars and they've guided the stuff that we work on. So the first pillar is inclusive culture. And we talk about a culture where everybody feels a sense of belonging. And there's a lovely brand for this that we call Be You at Booper, which has existed in parts, but we're really kind of reigniting that over the next um, coming weeks and months. And the middle pillar is all around inclusive leadership. Um, It's incredibly important that our leaders really visibly role model inclusive leadership, build diverse teams and create environments where people can develop and grow. Um, And then the final pillar is all around practices, a really important part, which is that our policies and practices are fair, we remove bias, and we can attract, retain and promote that increases diversity, that we we genuinely reflect the customers and communities we serve. So yeah, that frameworks quite well. Thanks, uh, Julia. Well, that brings me, I mean, you you mentioned leadership there. And, and, uh, you know, I guess most people would say it starts at the top. Penny, you're at the top. Uh, so what, where does it start and finish for you in terms of, you know, how you, because I know you've been passionate about this topic for many years. Um, how, does, how does that leadership manifest itself for you as a member of the CEC? Yeah, it's a good, a good question. And I was thinking about it knowing we had this conversation for today. I mean, I think the key for me is this is all about our people at Booper. And, you know, having been with Booper now for, for over 14 years, I'm, you know, delighted to say and, and always do say to people that our people are our biggest advantage. They're what makes a difference to us as we come in every day. It's what makes a difference to our customers. It's what makes a difference to us being able to perform. And, you know, it's really clear that when companies are diverse, when they're inclusive, when they're equitable, then everybody benefits. You know, leadership benefits, people benefit, customers benefit, families benefit, everybody benefits from that. So I, I sort of, for me, it would be incompatible for us to be a company that's all about people and not have this focus on diversity and inclusion. So in that sense, it's kind of a very basic point. But the second point is this is absolutely a part of our strategy. And as you said earlier, Nigel, you know, being the best, most diverse, um, having the best, most diverse people and being a great place to work is part of the strategy. It's not some sort of offshoot or separate exercise that we get to when we've completed all the other pieces. And, you know, as as you know better than I do, there's all sorts of good business reasons for having that as part of our, our strategy, whether that's the research that shows how diverse companies perform better and in particular uh, in more straightened economic times can perform better. 
um, that companies, that, that employees are more likely to stay longer with a company, uh, which is more inclusive, that people looking for jobs um, sometimes turn down roles if they perceive a lack of inclusion. So again, it comes back to, you know, how we're going to perform and how we can deliver on our vision and our purpose at Bupa. So in that sense, it's really important. You know, that said, as as when we've discussed this as a CEC, I think we totally recognise that diversity and inclusion is very much a matter which uh, depends a lot on the local conditions in our various uh, business units. It can be quite different um, country to country to see what the particular issues are that need more focus or less focus, depending on the situation in that that particular country. And obviously, I think one of Bupa's strengths is being able to flex to those local requirements. So I think what we've just tried to do is focus in on, on the sort of bigger global issues that we can have real impact on across the piece. So back to um, Julie's points around inclusive culture, really focused on having a sort of data-led approach and, and focusing on what the CEC can do uh, in bringing out that sense of diversity, which is the campaign that's underway at the moment. Um, second, looking at inclusive leadership and particularly focusing that on our general manager pipeline um, because that's that's such an important population for us and thirdly when we think about inclusive practices um, focusing on accessibility people with different abilities and that's where some of our um, our partnerships with the various Paralympic national organizations come into play so three three commitments I mean there's no coincidence we're talking about this you know now because we we have made these commitments I mean I think each one of the CEC are you know, we're going to be communicating this now. What I've always had a bit of a thing about in terms of this topic is I sort of feel it sort of splits into rights and responsibilities. You know, I think people have the right to, to be included, the right not to be discriminated against, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, whether that's in law or not, you know, I just think it's it's something, it's a fundamental uh, thing. But then I, I sort of think then there's a responsibility of the organisation to create the environment and the conditions where you know, that foster belonging, you know, and people feel they can be themselves. So that, that was my kind of thing. I sort of see it almost like a, a set of skills, you know, with rights and responsibilities on either side of that. Penny, what was your, what, 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 what was the essence of what, you know, your, your commitment that, that's going to be out there amongst, amongst our folks? Yeah, so mine was more about, I guess, the, the context that I want to create as a leader. And I have seen over the years what a big difference it makes to to, to me and, and to people that I work with and, and to members of the broader team when people feel confident in what they're doing. And I think a big part of having an environment where people feel confident does start with feeling included. I don't think you can ever feel confident if you're in a context where you don't feel welcome or you feel like your voice can't be heard or you feel that your voice is somehow excluded from the conversation. So for me, it kind of connects to my personal leadership philosophy, if you like, which is about creating that space where everyone can be confident that they can bring the best of themselves and really share their voice. There might be opportunity, might be times when, you know, that voice is, you know, expressing an opinion that's different from others. But if the climate is right, the atmosphere is right, the platform is right, then I think that's all in service of, of what we're trying to achieve here. Thanks, Penny. And, and look, let, let's maybe just uh, hover on the the other two commitments that you, you touched on, Penny. Uh, maybe Julie, come to you uh, for this. I mean, mm-hmm. people might go, well, what what's a general manager and why are they focused on general managers? Why is that important? Mm-hmm. Do you want to, I mean, say what why that's ended up being one of the three sort of commitments for this year? 
Yeah, so we, we've, we've identified the general manager as one of the roles where we have lower gender representation. So the general manager role, it's called different things in different places, but it's um, usually the role that is responsible for a business, um, P&L business. Um, and what we found is, is that the majority, so um, around 70 are men and 30 women. Um, and that's not really representative of the, the overall um, workforce in BIPA. So we want to understand that a little bit more. And we've been speaking to existing general managers and also those in the talent pipeline, because actually those that have been identified as people that could do that job, there is also a 70, 30 men, women split. So we want to understand why and then what we can do about it. And this is an example why um, sharing your data with us is, is really important because we genuinely want to understand and ensure that um, at the most senior roles in BIPO, we represent both the people that work for us and the communities we serve. Great, thanks. And and maybe just the the, the, the third area, just quickly, is is around um, to make our workplaces as accessible as we can make them. And a link with the Paralympic uh, movements across a number of countries where we're we're uh, supporting uh, Paralympic athletes and those movements. Um, we want to make sure we can hold our head up and say that we're accessible too as a workplace. That's right, isn't it, Julie? Exactly right. And we've got this wonderful opportunity of the Paralympic sponsorships to actually learn um, more about how we can be even more accessible at Bupa. Um, we want to increase awareness and understanding of how we can better support all forms of disability at Bupa. Um, so this is looking at, again, across all three pillars of the framework. I talked about earlier and just making sure that we have a, a really inclusive culture in the area of disability and um, both visible and invisible invisible as well as any other area of inclusivity thanks and uh, data has come up a couple of times just just in, in in the conversation so far i just want to ask you penny i mean we 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 do ask for people's data i, I mean and not everywhere, because there's some countries you operate in, you're not allowed actually to ask. People might not, some of the listeners might not actually know that. There's some places we operate, you're not actually allowed to ask for the for data, ethnicity data and things like that. But we do where we can because data makes a difference. I mean, why would we want to, why would we want to ask, ask for data? Just because you might get an email from us or some communication saying, you know, please give us, give us some of your data. And you might feel a bit uneasy about that, but there's a reason for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this goes back to my point earlier about, you know, us seeing diversity and inclusion as a business issue, not some sort of, you know, theoretical or conceptual issue. And obviously we want to be, you know, fact-based about this and, and how do we get there? Well, we need data from people because we really do need to do, you know, analytical work to help us, you know, establish a baseline, you know, understand, you know, we, we obviously can see some sort of fairly basic facts like representation across the entire organisation, but to, to deliver what we want to deliver in this space. We want to get to the next level of detail. And, you know, for example, can we see that, you know, there's a particular demographic that drops off significantly between man, one management level and the next. And if we can see that, then and then that enables us to do something about that in a very powerful intervention for that particular group, rather than just kind of having a, you know, something for everyone that doesn't really make much of a difference. You know, I've tested this idea out with my own, you know, wider wider group. Obviously, uh, in legal, we have lots of different populations and we also have people who I think it's fair to say are very um, kind of clear on the rules in this area, the privacy team and, and so on. And, you know, what we really found in the conversation, a member of Julie's team came, came to talk to my team about this, was that once people, you know, had a better understanding of why does people want this information, 
What's Bupa going to do with it? Um, what's the purpose of having it? How's it going to be held? And in particular, understanding what we're not looking to do is under, is identify. In, no one wants to know I'm Penny Dudley. I'm you know 46. I'm female. It's not about me. It's about how many people do we have in the same age group or you know, with the same characteristics that we should be more aware of. And so in that sense, it is, it is yeah. to an extent anonymized. So that's why yeah. the data is really important. Without the data, we can't make the decisions. Exactly. And some of the data, you know, particularly around ethnicity, let's call it out, you know, it's, it's, it, you don't have to generally give it in most jurisdictions. Um, that's why we, we've tended to focus on gender because we, we've got pretty good data on that. But on something like ethnicity or indeed um, ability, physical ability, et cetera, it's, it's, harder to, it's harder to get this stuff. And we, we're relying on you really to, to give us it. And, and hopefully you trust us that we're doing it for all the right reasons. As Penny said, it's, it's because we want to be representative of all of the societies that we're in and, and our, that our workplaces uh, reflect that that representation and, and we're not out of kilter with that um, but it's hard to do it when you don't have data um great thank you uh, well talking of data uh, uh, another uh, point julie is really i mean we do measure a lot in terms of our pulse uh, scores our, our uh, and and belonging is one of the i think one of the better uh mechanisms and proxies for trying to get a temperature check on how people feel and therefore if they belong, do they? You know, is it an inclusive organisation? How are we doing on 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 that? Those those kind of data points. Yeah, and we we do. So the question that um, is asked, this is asked once a year, is I feel a sense of belonging at Bupa. Um, and this we've heard from Glint, who manage our engagement surveys, is a really good indication of inclusivity um, and belonging. In um, where. Um, actually up three points from November 21. So the last time this was measured was, was November 22. Um, and that's up to um, for above Glint's global benchmark, which is the top 10% uh, most engaged um, organisations, which is fantastic. Um, and then I think overall, from an engagement perspective for, for our group, um, what Glint was saying in June was that um, engagement is declining. It's starting to decline now for their kind of global, um, database of organisations, but this is not happening at Bupa. We're still increasing, which that that that's that question, that sense of belonging, is, is a really critical part of. So, um, so yeah, that's that's brilliant. What I would say, and this is kind of going back to um, Penny's point around around the data, um, the beauty of our engagement surveys that it's anonymised and people can also give um, verbal responses. They can tell us what they think outside of the numbers and. People do talk about uh, not seeing visible representation of diverse leadership at Bupa. That's something that people talk about. Um, and we do see differences in results across groups when we drill down into the pulse data, again, which has called out that gender um, area to explore. So um, it, it's a really useful source of insight for us to, to dig into and then try to do something about. Thanks, Julia. I mean, my, my, I mean, you might, you pair of you might disagree with me on this. I don't feel free to, but it, it feels to me like we're on a journey where we're compared to other organisations, probably good, but we're striving to be great, and and that's that's the journey we're on. I think we want to, you know, we, we might be at the benchmark levels of of of, of Glint survey that, that you know against lots and lots of other organisations be right we're right up there. But I think we are, I think the three of us certainly feel, I know that the rest of the CEC feel that we, we could, 
we could be better, uh, particularly around those representation points that you just made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit like um, our ambition in other areas like sustainability and so on. I think at one level there is a, 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 a sense that in healthcare it's a very kind of participative segment, you know, of industry. There's obviously lots of, of females that work in healthcare, lots of people from different backgrounds that work in healthcare, but that doesn't mean that there's not lots of things we can do better and probably have a better understanding of. Um, so we can work harder to increase that that sense of belonging. And I guess the other thing we're trying to do is is be a bit systematic about that and understand, you know, in the sense that we think we can always learn and improve. Well, you know, what is it that those leaders and those teams that are doing well to drive that score? What are they doing? Um, because they must be things that we can learn from and, and try and replicate elsewhere. I agree, and I think and I think you know part of what what we really want to do is obviously continue to build on what we've got, which is make sure that everybody feels like they can belong here. But beyond this, I think it's opening wider access and pathways to leadership, so people don't just belong; they believe they can thrive and progress here. Which, um, would, you know, that that's exactly what we want. We want the most diverse teams because we genuinely believe that that will help us to reach our our ambition of being the most customer centric organization in the world because we'll have diversity of thought so yeah always always wanting to do more and I think we've got a good foundation but there's definitely more that we can do yeah I think that's a really fundamental point um Julie that you know we're talking about this because it links to our ability and drives our ability to achieve achieve that vision of being the world's most customer centric healthcare company and obviously we absolutely want to have you know as diverse a possible customer base and and we you know we want to make sure that we can reflect that that we can serve it and we can deliver the best for that group yeah Absolutely. I was just going to say, sorry, j jumping in there, the, I think the commercials, the good commercial sense of this is also really key as well, that mm. if you belong, if you feel you belong, you, you do your best work. And that's what we want everybody to do. And, you know, that's, that's we all feel like that when you feel comfortable and belong, um, you do the best that you can do. And that's that's exactly. all we can ask. Brilliant. Um, well, look, thanks. Uh, thanks, uh, Penny. Thanks, Julie. Uh, that was uh, great. That's all we've got time for in today's Running Elephant. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any questions or comments, as usual, you can email us at runningelephant at booba.com. Bye for now. Thanks very much. <laughs>